morning, C3 family. I'm so glad you're able to join us today. Are you ready to enter the presence of the Lord and see what He has to say to you, to worship Him, to praise Him, to experience Him? Well, let's enter His presence and see what happens. In five, four, three, two, one. Good morning and welcome to Christ Community Church. We are live from Justin's house this morning. Uh, we're so glad you guys have joined us and we encourage you guys to worship along with us this morning. C3 family. I hope you guys are doing great. I sure do miss you. I hope you're able to worship today or any other time, whether it be through social media or just gathering with some of your friends and family and just still worship God in every which way possible. I want to do the call to worship today and it's going to be from the book of Psalms 
24, verse 7. It says, Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? He's the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord invincible in battle. Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? He's the Lord of heaven's armies. He is the King of glory. God bless you guys, and I hope you have a great day. Bye.
Thanks, guys. That was so good. Thank, Thank you, you, guys. And welcome, great. Christ Community Church. Welcome. And we are at Justin and Anna's house. It's Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Anna. Justin and Anna, <laughs> perhaps the worst time in human history for the internet to go out at one's house. Yes. Which is what happened at ours. So yes. We no. have a new venue. To, Thank you very yeah, much. New venue. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to open real quickly with a quick story about my grandmother, whom I loved. Yes. Um, she was a great person. She was a, a, a person I wish that I knew I had known better, frankly, but... Um, she had a lot of spirit, and she had a lot of sense of adventure. She was a highly intelligent woman. Um, but the circumstances of her life were um, difficult, and mm. she, in my mm. memory, never really—she she, she was an unsettled person. Mm -hmm. um, she married a man in the Army Air Force, or the Army Air Corps, I think it was called then, mm -hmm. and they moved to Japan after the war. And um, she— she never really knew, in my memory, she never really knew what she believed in, like what she, what she settled peace. her. She never knew a lot of peace. Yeah. When they were in Japan, she... Was brought, always looking for it. I think so. Mm -hmm. They brought, my memory is when they, they came back, they brought, she brought statues of Buddha. Um, and she had those in her house. A gong. My mother reminded me that they, they had purchased a Buddhist gong. I'd like to sing that. Big gong in her house. Um, she always had a, a, a what do you call it? an astrological book? Uh, what do you call that? Um, you know, yeah. anyway, astronomy. Yeah, astrology. Um, <laughs> she she paid attention to that horoscope. Yeah, there it is. The horoscope. She always read her horoscope. My mother very concerned about black cats. Always on the side of the bed. Yeah. So you know, she just never really quite knew where to put. Her trust and faith, yes. maybe. Now, a, a longer version of the story, I would tell you that it ended well for her. Mm -hmm. But throughout her life, she didn't know, she never settled on a place to, to, to rest with her faith and yes. her trust. And yes. there was a lot of superstition in that for her, I think. Yes. You know she what I mean? She just kept looking for somewhere to place her hope and her trust and her security. And So she went from thing to thing. Yeah, and it was hard for yeah, her. Yeah, it was. It yeah. was a very unsettled life. Thank you. Well... Um, I want to talk to y'all today about um, a couple of passages of Scripture that I'd like us to study together, one from the Old Testament, one from the New, uh, and both of them uh, come out of a, uh, just a, a need that I have to talk with y'all about some things related to the election that's going to take place in 10 days. And so if you've got a copy of the scriptures, I wish that you would uh, turn first of all to Joshua chapter 5, and I'm going to read this passage uh, from Joshua 5, and you listen to it. It says that Joshua was near Jericho and saw a man standing before him with a sword drawn and ready, ready to fight. And Joshua asked, are you for us or for our enemies? And this angelic warrior, this mighty warrior, this commander says, neither. I'm not for you and the Israelites. I'm not for your enemies, the Canaanites. I'm, I'm neither. Hmm. Uh, I am the commander of the Lord's army. Joshua got what he was saying. He, so Joshua bowed before him and asked, Lord, what would you have your servant do? 
Let me quickly give you the background uh, for this. Uh, uh, God had made a covenant with Abraham and his children to be their God, to bless them, to guide them, to protect them, to provide for them, and ultimately to uh, give them a land of their own. And for many, many generations, um, Israel thrived in this relationship and journey with God. They ultimately wound up in Egypt, where they also would thrive for many generations. But eventually, things went from good to really bad, and they became slaves to the Egyptians and suffered greatly for a number of generations. And then God sent them a deliverer named Moses. And Moses rescued them from Egypt, led them through the Red Sea, um, led them through the desert to Mount Sinai where God gave the Israelites his law, the Old Testament Mosaic Covenant law, and then Moses led them to uh, the boundary of the Promised Land, the Jordan River. And at that point, Moses dies. And Joshua, his assistant, takes over as the new leader of God's people. And he leads them through the Jordan River, uh, and they, they camp right on the other side of the Jordan River, right in front of the, the military fortress of Jericho. And uh, they're preparing to invade and conquer the Promised Land. And while it takes them a few days to get ready and prepared for all this. But while that's going on, Joshua goes out one day scouting uh, the area to prepare for this big battle, this first initial battle with the, with the people of Jericho. And while he's out scouting, he comes... Uh, upon this this mighty warrior dressed in armor and he's holding a big shield and he has a big sword drawn but his armor is not the armor of the Canaanites nor is it the armor hmm. of the Israelites and so Joshua asked a very reasonable question hey whose side are you on who are you going to fight for are you going to fight for us or are you going to fight for them are you on our side? Are you going to help us? Or are you going to help the Canaanites? And this mighty warrior, this commander of the Lord's host, gives a very, I'm sure to Joshua, a very startling and confusing response. He says, neither. I'm not for you or your people. I'm not for the, these other people. I, I'm neither. And it, I'm sure, took Joshua just a minute, but he eventually got the message of this mm. angelic warrior because the next thing that it says is that Joshua fell at the feet of this mighty warrior and he said, Lord, what would you have your servant do? He realized who he was standing in front of. And um, I just... I. I I think it must have initially struck Joshua in a very unusual way, a startling way, to understand that here is the representative of God himself, the God of Abraham, the God of Israel. Here's God's representative, and he's not for us. He's not going to come and help us, assist us, be our helper, be our assistant. You know, you would think that the Lord of hosts would have said, or this, this commander of God's army would have said, oh, I'm uh, representing God himself. I'm for you. I'm for Abraham. I'm, for, I'm here to help 
fulfill God's promises to Abraham. I'm here to help Israel take this land. I'm here to help Israel uh, um, um, uh, establish the dynasty of David uh, uh, through through which the uh, Messiah will come. I'm here to help y'all experience all that God has for you. But that's not what he says. He says, I'm not for y'all any more than I'm for them. And his message, if you'll think about it, is not that hard to grasp. What he was telling Joshua is, I'm not here to assist you or anybody else. I'm not here to be your assistant. I'm not here to be your helper. The real battle, what's really taking place here today, really has nothing to do with you or the Canaanites. This is God's battle. This is God's war. The real question is not, am I on your side? Am I your assistant? The real question is, whose side are you on? Are you on God's side? Because the truth is, if you read the rest of the book of Joshua and Judges, the conquering of the land um, is going to be something that God does. Yes, at times God invites the Israelites to, to, to participate, to help. But at the end of the day, they're really more spectators than they are assistants or helpers. They, they are invited to help at, at times, but they're, they're really spectators because what's going on, this is God's work. What's important, what's real, what lasts is what God is doing. And I think the message that God wants us to think about here, it's so easy to think that we know what God's up to. It's so easy to think that God needs our help. It's so easy to think that that God's kingdom and God's work is dependent upon us. And the message of this passage is rather clear. God is not wanting to assist people. God is inviting people to be a part of what He's doing because it's what He's doing that matters. God didn't come to help Israel. He came to invite Israel to be a part of something that was vastly more important and significant than they could possibly understand. And I think it begs the question. We ask the question, I think, if not audibly, we do it at least in our minds. Is God on the side of the liberals or the conservatives? Is God on the side of the Democrats or the Republicans? Is God on the side of the socialists or the capitalists? Is God on the side of the United States or countries that would be against the United States? And I think that's a wrong question. It's not, the question is not, is God on our side, whatever that side may be? The question is, am I choosing to align myself with God? Is that the person that I'm seeking to be in cooperation with and to participate with and to trust and follow? That's the real question that God wants us to answer. And that's the real question that Joshua chapter 5 challenges us to consider. The second passage in the New Testament that I want us to look at is found in Luke chapter 23. You follow along if you want to. It says, The Jewish leaders took Jesus to Pilate and accused him of subverting the nation of Israel. They said, he opposes the paying of taxes to Caesar, and he claims to be the Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replied, you say. 
Jesus replied, you say. Um, The background of this passage is Jesus has just been betrayed by Judas. He's been deserted by the disciples. He's been arrested by the temple police and Roman soldiers and taken to the Jewish authorities where he stands trial and is found guilty of blasphemy and heresy and sentenced to death. Problem is, the people of Israel being subject to the Roman Empire, they can't carry out a death sentence. And so they send or take Jesus to the Roman authorities who can have him killed. That at that time was a man, the man that represented the Roman authorities was a man named Pilate, where he stands trial. I want to stop here and just make an observation real quickly uh, before we move on, and that is uh, this passage that I just read to you. It's a very significant and unique passage because as you know, any of you that have been reading the New Testament at all, you know that the the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are all four uh, views or perspectives on the life and the message and the work of Jesus Christ. And they, they all, that's what they're writing about uh, but they see it from very different perspectives. It doesn't, they're not contradicting each other, but they are viewing it through different lenses and they mention different things. So every once in a while, it's very rare, but every once in a while, all four of them will uh, reflect on the same event and they will describe it in exactly the same way mm. and they will use the exact same words. It happens very rarely. This happens to be one of those times where all four Gospels record the, the, the conversation between Pilate and Jesus exactly the same way, and they use the exact same words. Uh, Pilate asked the same question, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answers Exactly the same way in all four Gospels, you say. And I I think it's significant that we consider, Pilate asks, are you the king of the Jews? He doesn't ask, are you the son of God? He doesn't ask if you're the Messiah. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if he's the Messiah of the Jews. He doesn't care if he's the, uh, the, uh, the son of God. What he cares about is, are you claiming to be a king? And Jesus responds with just, in the Greek language, just two simple words. You say. What Pilate is asking, Sherry, is are you political? Do you have a political agenda? Are you a political threat? Are you building a political army? Are you trying to establish a political kingdom, um, a, a political government? And Jesus responds, as only Jesus can, with words that are perfectly and wisely uh, ambiguous and vague. (laughs) And you can take his word, you say, you can take that negatively as a no, you can take it positively as a yes. And actually the truth is, I think, I I believe with all my heart that Jesus said it so that you could take it both ways. Jesus wasn't trying to be deceptive. He wasn't trying to mislead Pilate. But any other wording would have been misleading, would have been deceptive, would have actually been dishonest if Jesus had said, no, I'm not political. That's not really true. And if he just said, yes, I am political, that's not really true either. The narrow and short-term answer is, 
No, I'm not political. I didn't come with a political agenda. I didn't come to to, 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 to raise a political army. I didn't come to be a political threat. I didn't come to establish a political government. I came to seek and to save those that are lost. I came to offer to people a personal, intimate relationship with my Father, which can only take place by putting faith in what I'm about to do when I die on the cross. But the broad, long-term answer is, yes, there'll be a day when I do establish a political kingdom. I do have a political agenda, and there'll be a day when I return and I will bring a political agenda. I will bring a political army. I will establish a, a political government. In uh, uh, Daniel chapter 2, the Bible says this, The Lord of heaven will one day return and set up a kingdom that will not ever be destroyed. And then in the New Testament, Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, Jesus Christ is destined to judge the living and the dead at his glorious return when he will return and establish his kingdom. So the answer is yes. There'll be a day when I will be a political threat and woe unto anyone that stands in my way. But it's not today. It's not then. Jesus said in Luke 17, God's kingdom isn't coming with signs and wonders. It's in your midst It's within you. I believe Jesus is telling Pilate that what's important today is who I am and the work that I'm doing right now. Pilate, I think what Jesus is telling Pilate and what I think Jesus is telling us, whose side are you on? Jesus said, I came to seek and save those that are lost. I came to provide and offer an intimate relationship with my dad. I've come to bring the good news of the gospel, that God loves people. He cares about people. He wants a relationship with people. And I, Jesus Christ, have come to provide that relationship. In the time that we've got left, I want to make four quick observations that I really would like for you in the light of this election that's coming up to think about. Number one, I think Jesus is saying to every one of us today that it's important for us to remember that the election that takes place on November 3rd, if you're a Christian, if you're a part of God's family, that election on November 3rd will not determine or define your life. Uh, There are going to be people on November 3rd, Shirley, and you know them and I know them. Some people are going to be, they're going to be rejoicing. They're going to be sighing in relief as if they dodged a bullet. They're going to be rejoicing as if they won the lottery. There's going to be other people, regardless of who wins or loses, that are going to rend their garments and throw dust on their heads and gnash their teeth. All is lost. But the truth is, for the people of God, Whoever wins and whoever loses, that election, in like manner to every other election, will not define or determine our lives. I'm not suggesting that that the issues that we are facing today are not important. 
Um, but the truth is, whoever is in the White House, whatever happens with our economy, whoever sits on the Supreme Court, whatever happens with health care and gun control and immigration and the environment, those things will not determine or define the lives of God's people. I'm not suggesting that those issues aren't important. I'm not suggesting we shouldn't care, and I'm sure not suggesting that we shouldn't vote because we should. But Jesus is doing today the exact same things that he was doing 2,000 years ago, and that is he is seeking and saving people that acknowledge they are lost and they need a Savior. And then he is placing those precious people in communities of faith so that they can get to know him and grow to be like him. Number two, I just want to remind us that God has always sovereignly worked in and through good and bad times, in and through good and bad circumstances, in and through good and bad political parties, in and through good and bad political leaders, and in and through good and bad nations. Now, the almost comical question is, I think that I can decide who's good and bad. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a whole other study for another day. But by my definition, I think I know who's good and bad, who's right and wrong, and whose side God is on and whose side is God. That's why that Again. semantical idea of who am I on your side or are you on my side exactly. really matters. Exa- it's exactly right. Yeah. It yeah. matters immensely. Well, yeah. Um, number three, I think that the key issue for next week, if you will, Uh, or at least in 10 days, is not the election. The key issue for each one of this is to to decide and answer the question, whose side am I on? Am I looking to Jesus Christ? Or am I looking to the gods of Wall Street or the gods of Washington for my peace, my security, and for a good future? And I just want to remind everyone, whether if you don't agree, that's your prerogative, but I'm declaring to you that the gods of Washington and the gods of Wall Street, at their best, are equally inferior, they're equally weak, they're equally disappointing, and they're equally unreliable idols that we should beware of looking to for our security. That's where my grandmother never could settle. She could never settle. She, well, she never hopefully knew. she did. Hopefully she did. At the, end, yeah. At the end of her life, she came to realize that all the things that she was looking to to try to find peace and security, they, they couldn't provide that. They, they didn't have it to offer. They were unpredictable. They were unpredictable and unreliable. Yeah. And I would say that whether it's a bong, Uh, or whether it's a Buddha idol, or whether it's Wall Street or Washington, those things cannot be that which we build our life. They're not able to support that weight. And then number four, excuse me, I just, if, if this passage, if these two passages teach us anything, they just, I, I, I beg you to consider that they teach us that we need to be careful about bringing our agendas, our 
uh, stipulations, our demands to God, um, that is not the way this works. I have people periodically that will come to me and they'll say, hey, you know, I've been listening to you and I'm reading my the Gospels and I'm, I'm thinking about making Jesus my Savior and uh, I, I really am seriously thinking about making Jesus my Savior. But I need to know what the Bible teaches about this issue or that issue. I need to know what the church's stand is on this issue or that issue. I need to know what how God feels about this issue or that issue uh, before I can make a decision. And I would just declare to everyone that that's not the way it works. We can't bring our agendas and stipulations and demands to Christ. We can't do it. We won't be allowed into his presence with all those stipulations and demands. Um, what he will let us bring is our sin and our pain, our sin and our brokenness. In fact, I would suggest that we are not allowed into the presence of Christ without our sin and without our brokenness and our wounds. Um, I, would, I think Jesus would declare to us that it is not possible. It is absurd to think that anyone can discover what is true until we have allowed the God of truth to invade our lives and to begin to help us to see things and to uh, uh, believe things as he wants us to see them. That's when we're going to discover what is true and what we ought to believe. And I would just end by telling you this, that uh, at the end of the day, you uh, show me the strongest, most faithful Democrat in this country who believes everything the party stands for and declares you let the God of the universe invade that person's life and they will see things differently. They will believe differently. They will prioritize and value things differently. And you take the most faithful, dedicated Republican on the planet who believes everything the Republican Party values and declares and you let the God of the universe invade their life, he'll change them. He will change them as he renews them and transforms them. They will begin to see things and value things and believe things differently. We're going to have a big election here in a few days. And I'm not, I, it is important. And how we respond and, and uh, 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 to these things, uh, I'm not saying they're not important. But at the end of the day, we need to keep them in perspective. We need to place them on the level of importance that they're worthy of because they will not define or determine the life of a child of God. That's God's job. Uh, and people who place uh, an unreasonable amount of priority uh, on these type issues they spend their lives full of anger and full of fear and full of passion for power. And ultimately, anger and fear and power are going to blind us. They're going to deceive us. And they're ultimately going to destroy us. That's the opposite of humility. It's the opposite of, of humility and the recognition that I belong to God and I'm dependent on God and God has promised to take care of me. And so I would just say that these, these two passages really mean a lot to me, and I hope that you will ponder them and consider 
how God would have you respond um, to, to, to this up-and-coming election. Let's take the Lord's Supper real quickly. I think about, you know, that passage uh, that we looked at in Luke. Uh, the end of that passage talks about how Jesus is led away to the cross. And the soldiers go and get Barabbas yeah. and let him go free. And what an incredible visual uh, declaration that the one that was guilty of insurrection and murder is let go, is, let, is set free. Uh, and the one who had done nothing wrong was condemned and killed on a cross. And, you know, we eat. Here, Shirley. It's okay. Got it. Uh, we eat this bread <laughs> and we drink this wine or juice um, uh, to declare that we, like Barabbas, have experienced forgiveness and freedom even though we're guilty because of one who came who was innocent right. and yet bore our guilt. And we now uh, are the children of God with a bright future, regardless of what happens in this election or in Washington or anywhere else in the world. We have a bright future because we have placed our hope in Him. So let's eat and drink. Thank you so much for being with us today. I hope the Lord has spoken to you and I hope you will take some time in the days ahead and really think about what we've studied today. God bless you. When peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll Whatever my Lord You have taught me to say It is well It is well so it is well it is well with my soul with my soul it is well it is well with my soul
And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be inside. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The drum shall again for joining us this week. We hope that today has been encouraging to you. Come back next week. We'll be here at Facebook Live and YouTube Live at 1015. Y'all have a great day and we'll see you next Sunday.